Welcome to the Waitressing to Wealth podcast, the podcast to gain actionable tips, learn how to build your wealth, and gain inspiration from real and relatable guests on how they've built theirs. I'm your host, Jolene Stone, a money coach. I started my journey out waitressing and $200,000 in debt. I was able to build my wealth and become debt-free in just three years. Your journey to wealth starts now. Today we have an amazing guest, Sophie. Sophie wasn't always a part of the shady design underbelly. She started out in the bright fluorescent corporate world. She created gazillions of apps, websites, and visual identities for nearly every industry out there. Turns out every industry wanted something boring and blue because blue equals trust. Sophie needed a little bit more danger in the mix. So she started doing things that were scary, like disappearing from her job, emerging with a new identity, and developing her Contra brand, Canva templates. People find Sophie when they need something quick and daring. She's the gal you'll go to when you're tired of trendy, tired of safe, and tired of waiting. Welcome, Sophie. So I know your story, but I would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about how you got started in design and in the online space in general. Essentially, I it took it took me a long time to figure out that design was my thing. When I was like going into college and stuff like that, I I've heard of a graphic designer, but I honestly thought it was one of those jobs where like, yeah, you can be a graphic designer, but like really there's like three jobs for graphic designers, you know what I mean? And it took me until like my third year of college to figure out that that wasn't true. There were lots of jobs in graphic design and that I kind of had a knack for it. So I ended up adding another major. I had an advertising degree and then I added another, or like I was getting that major, I added another one for graphic design and then ended up getting a job right out of college at a local startup in Fargo, North Dakota. And it was a startup company for a native mobile app design agency type of thing. And so that kind of got me into UX, UI design. And then there's a variety of other things. I did event planning for them. I did a lot of branding because each app is kind of its own product and therefore has its own brand identity. So I got a lot, a lot of experience there. But I ended up getting laid off from that first job, which was like a huge blow to me because I was always like, you know, I'm going to climb a career ladder. I have no interest in working for myself, blah, blah, blah. But that really was like a huge slap in the face. It just totally ripped the rug from under me. And I kind of, the veil was lifted where I was like, okay, so you're not really ever secure in a job. Like you're never safe. And so I started kind of thinking about things a lot at that point where I was like, I really, my goal is to work for myself because I feel like you're, you know, figuratively speaking, you have like muscles that atrophy when you're in corporate and you're not like agile and you can't like problem solve in the way that you can when you're an entrepreneur or work for yourself. And so it was always my goal to kind of get out there and do it myself because that would make me feel more secure if I had those skills. But I didn't feel well-rounded enough as a designer. So I ended up staying in corporate for another several years, working in different digital agencies, marketing agencies, and also worked internally at an e-commerce industry, uh, e-commerce company. And then I ended up moving in with my now fiance, who 
moved about an hour and a half away from my current job to an area that we both love. And that was sort of like the final straw where it was like, okay, really have to gear up for quitting because I don't want to be doing this commuting thing forever. So I saved up money for a few months, but it really probably wasn't like, it wasn't like a huge cushion or anything like that. Um, And I ended up quitting November, 2019 when a certain virus was hatching at the exact same time, little did I know. And so kind of went on that wild ride. Also something worth mentioning is like, I was very burnt out as a designer at the time. So I thought I didn't want to be a designer anymore. I thought I kind of like had done it all a million times over. And so I got certified as an OBM and was an OBM for basically 2020 and decided toward the end of that year that that wasn't really for me because I was, um, I was, I realized to solve a problem, I like to create something new versus OBMs have to go in and like fix things. Yeah. (laughs) Like that is kind of the indicator where I was like, I think I need to be a designer again. So I ended up doing that at the beginning of this year, I launched my design business again, and I went back to my, my roots and it's been a super fun ride ever since basically. So that's so neat. And not even that, but I feel like, like there were so many little puzzle pieces along the way. So you went into Mm -hmm. this and this and this, but also I feel like it's interesting or something that we should note is the connotation of like the online space, but not even that, but like the design world and just like growing up, you're like, oh, there's actually no options. I've seen this with my clients and other people I've interviewed and just what I know in general, the connotation of like what they can do with their life or the reality and the options that are out there is so vast in comparison to what we're told when we're young. I mean, we're given like six options when we're a kid. Mm-hmm. And like, and my parent, I, I'm lucky. I never had parents who were like, you know, gave me crap about being creative or wanting to go into a creative field at all. They were never that. It was all just on me from society. Yeah. I also have like um, a thing that I always say where it's like, people say, oh, it's okay, honey. You're just a creative. A bunch of people being thrown into, oh, you're a creative bin when they're not good at math and science, when really there's a lot more to it than that. And a lot of times those people thrown into that bin aren't actually creatives. And then also you, you go through your whole life, even if you are creative, thinking that that isn't as good as these other things where you aren't smart because you're not math and science smart, even though you can be like IQ wise, just as smart, but like your talent is in more of a creative field or maybe not even creative. Maybe you're like an operations whiz. You can see things differently than other people can in like a organizational type of way. But yeah. So I think that that was all what fed into me thinking, oh, that's not an option. That's not an option. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even just the fact of like the value isn't placed on the creative as much as it is on other fields, which is crazy. As a designer, do you find it easy or hard to price your work and put value on your work? I find it very difficult still, even though I've been doing this for over 10 years now. First of all, I always underestimate how much time it takes me to do things still. It's so (laughs) frustrating. And it is very difficult because I think with a lot of types, I don't know, because I mean, an OBM is kind of more the way I had it was a little bit more hourly packages. So it's pretty yeah. easy to divvy it up. I can do hourly for design. I mean, that's pretty easy, but really I find 
just for my own sanity, I like to do packages better. I like there to be just like, this is what I do. And then we're done kind of situation. So it's very difficult to estimate how much time it's going to take me and then also get paid enough. Cause I'm also extremely experienced. If I was a younger designer, you know, I feel like it might be easier and I was okay with making less money because I'm less experienced. Yeah. I think it would be easier for me to price because those are more like reasonable prices versus if I really put my experience in there. Plus the fact that it is a essentially a creative act. Like you feel like you're putting a piece of your soul into it, you know, like yeah. that's valuable. And a lot of people out there really can't tap into their creative stuff and having somebody do it for them is invaluable in many ways. So yeah, 100%. Yes. I find it very difficult to price my work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So jumping off of that, do you have any tips for a newer designer or people newer to the online space, how they could price or value their work? Would you have any suggestions for them? The biggest thing I would a lot of times I think it's easier to start with an hour hourly to just come up with an hourly price. Like what are you comfortable getting paid if you're doing it online? Double that price because of taxes and things like that. Just a little bit of a cushion. So if you're comfortable getting paid $25 an hour, charge 50 and then put away taxes. And I think that's a good place to start if you're really new. Um, but I think ultimately the goal is to kind of come up with what do you enjoy while you're doing that? What do you enjoy actually designing and coming coming up with a package for that? And I just, for me, a lot of my packages are kind of several pieces in one package. For instance, you know, web di website design, I decide how many pages I'm willing to do, generally like five pages, five to seven pages, what is included in that, and then about how long that takes me. So I guess the biggest thing is track your time. Track your time. How much time does it actually take you to do things? Um, I try to track my time for everything I do. Like generally, loosely speaking, I'm not like in there punching in and out. But like that's the biggest thing is like figuring out how much time it takes you. There's a lot of experts out there and coaches and stuff like that who are not designers or don't do anything like this. And they're just like, oh, just do packages. Don't worry about your time. Don't worry about your time. But with designing, it's really the opposite. It's to protect me because if I'm pricing without thinking about my time, I'm screwing myself every single time because it always takes more time than you think. Like, I don't think a lot of people outside of the design world realize how much time it takes you to do little things because it's such a tedious task. And then mm -hmm. you also have to wait for creative genius to strike plus all of the stuff on top of it. It's very ominous at times, like you just can't quite put your finger on it. So track your time and yeah. start with hourly if you can before you build a package. Right. Interestingly, also that you mentioned that you have to wait for creative genius to strike. It just mm -hmm. doesn't happen all the time. Exactly. And people that aren't in the design world might not even consider that like as a point. Like you mm. might work really great on the weekends or when something's happening, totally. but then when you have a deadline, you're like, oh, I actually don't have very much creative time to do that. So a hundred percent. Yeah. And there is a, an element of um, Parkinson's law too, where if you have a month to do a project or two days to do a project, you tend to find your creative genius in that amount of time. But yeah. 
there are exceptions to that rule with design for me. Like sometimes I really do need a couple extra days, but I've never really had a huge issue with that. Like, I think a lot of people do understand that. Like they don't understand it, but they understand yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like willing to cooperate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So if someone were to be listening right now that has like some design or artistic skills, but they're very unsure of where to start, what advice would you give to them? If you want to give yourself a competitive edge out there, start with the basics. Look up the design elements and principles like or art design and principles, but I think they're called design elements and principles, if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> Shape, rhythm, you know, proportion, all these things. Look it up on YouTube, study it, do activities to try to practice it and start looking at everything through that lens. And you will, once you start absorbing that and starting to see that, the fact of the matter is there are roles to design and there, there is a structure that you follow. With UX UI, it's the same thing. If you just look at websites, there's a reason why the vast majority of websites, the vast majority of mobile apps are designed a certain way because that's what works best and that's what people, users can use most easily. And the same thing kind of comes even for like very expressive design and that's in those design elements and principles. So I find that there's a lot of people out there that are like maybe a VA, they start as a VA, they get a VA coach or somebody, some program. And they're like, oh, you know how to use Canva? Just put design on your, like, just say that you're, you know, put design as a capability on your VA list, which is fine. Like whatever you do, you, but if you want to be a designer, you really having like those principles in place, you are going to put yourself above like 70% of your competition just understanding that that is the biggest thing and then I feel like the other big thing that you need to be okay with and just realize going into it as a beginner is that the biggest skill that you need to learn is kind of the communication with the client and sort of becoming calloused to criticism because like I said earlier, this is your art at the end of the day, even though you're making it for somebody else. And when people criticize it, it's very it's your natural instinct to not want, not want to, I don't want to, Yeah, <laughs> I don't want to change my thing. It's already great and, or be defensive about it. And it can be very, it's a very frustrating and frankly, painful process <laughs> to start out as a designer because everybody has like a designer ego a little bit, not, and the thing is, it's like, you're justified in having an ego. You do know more than the client does about design. But once you get to a point, the experience and like figuring out how to separate your personal, your personal feelings from what you're working on and still be able to be excited about it, you once you get to the other side, it's actually even more rewarding to work with clients, I find. Even these days, every once in a while, I'll get a little ping of like, it's already good. Like, I don't want to take in your feedback, but I find that I, almost every single time, if not every single time that I am collaborating with the client in that way, I am happier with the end product. Like the client's views are valid. And a lot of times they're 
they're very helpful to create a superior thing than what you could have on your own. And that's like a big thing that I wish somebody would have told me because in the design world, a lot of people are just like, oh, clients are so dumb, you know, like that kind of thing where it's just like, they don't know and you just have to deal with it. Which of course, sometimes when you have a bad client, it it is like that. For, for the most part though, people have valid things. But the biggest thing is like callousing yourself to criticism and understanding that, and then um, being able to being able to take in the feedback, compromise, but like you're compromising like twenty percent, and you're still eighty percent getting your way. Like you're giving them something back that you are okay with. And that's the other just pro tip that I tell every young designer is never ever ever present something to a client under any circumstances that you're not okay with like hitting publish on. A lot of people will be like, oh, well, if a designer has a stupid idea, just like give it to them, except make it look really ugly. And just then they'll see, you know, then they'll see that your option was better. Never do that because they'll always pick the ugly option. (laughs) So (laughs) only present things that you're okay with publishing to your client and you're going to like, you're gonna avoid a lot of heartache. That is such great advice. (laughs) So good. So what is your personal favorite part of what you do? Not the, not the client feedback. (laughs) Actually, nowadays, I really don't mind the the client feedback. That was more in the beginning. I mean, in the, in the growing pains of being a young designer, that it was hard. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a better communicator and, um, I just have a better, and the other thing is because I work for myself, one of the best things about working for myself is I can craft a client experience that works for both of us. And I find too, a lot of designers, this is becoming a very niche to designers podcast, but a lot of designers will, for instance, a logo, they'll present like one option. They'll like make a logo and they'll be like, ta-da, here's the logo. And if the client doesn't like it, then it causes this, you know, back and forth. And like, it's just kind of a mess. I like to include my clients throughout the process. So I give them more options and they feel like they're part of the process more. Mm -hmm. And I find that that makes the whole feedback process like really fun because they feel like they're included. I'm not getting too far down a rabbit hole, you know, without their feedback. And so that's kind of another thing. My favorite part about being a designer, design is important for marketing. It's super important for like a strategic, the strategic side of business. It is important. There's a reason why people are buying it. But I find that the biggest like needle mover, at least in this online space that I'm working in, actually, no, across the board, even when I've worked with Fortune 500 companies, it's the confidence and excitement seeing a new design has on the client itself. All of a sudden, it's something that they've been working on or dreaming up or like slaving away, trying to get done on the back end, getting all the content ready and stuff like that, all of a sudden it's real in front of them and it gives them this momentum and, it, and they light up and they're really, really excited to go. And in the online business world, it's really, really easy to get distracted on things and like go to this strategy and that strategy. And maybe I don't want to finish that product and maybe I actually want to do this. We all fall prey to that. And I find that like, if they actually commit to and they see that, they get that momentum to really actually finish it, actually do it. And they're so much more confident showing up out there because they're so like excited to show it off. And that's my favorite part. 
Oh, I love that. <laughs> this kind of leads into the next question of like, basically the shiny object syndrome that all the online business owners have. And so my question for you is, what do you think of full-on rebrands? I know for myself, I've seen so many small business owners rebrand like twice or more since 2020. Back in the day, back in the old days before like internet was the huge thing, it was a a standard, a rule of thumb to rebrand a company every seven to 10 years. And it was a lot of times hard to convince a company to rebrand that often. Nowadays, because it's so much easier and because a lot of our products are digital, like if you think about it, a clothing company, well, then they have to get all of their tags, all of their tags redone, all of their, you know what I mean? So it's like a big deal. Online space is so much more flexible. And so I find that a lot of times it is a crutch because design, like I said last time, is so fun and exciting. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's that thing that helps boost our confidence or get us re-excited about our business again. People are doing it constantly and it's really detrimental to them. So I think that for the most part, a lot of people are wasting a lot of time and money on rebrands. You're better off. It's difficult to do, but... But basically I find that like the, the biggest reason why people do that is because they're not actually taking the time to get like an established creative direction and brand concept in place um, that they're fun with, that they're going to be excited for, for a long time. I don't think you need to only rebrand every seven to 10 years now. I think like three to four years, maybe is yeah. a little more realistic, but how many people do you know that actually stick with the brand for three or four years now? I I don't know very many. A brand can evolve over time and maybe like follow a couple of trends here and there when it fits with their brand. But that's, again, you need to really establish like this steadfast foundation. Like this is my visual brand. This is why I'm doing it. And I think that the creative direction is the easiest way to do that. I kind of am an advocate for like pick a creative direction that's fun, that's different. You can come up with an alter ego if you want to for your, for your company Something that you can step into that's kind of creating a world that you're going to be excited for time and time again. It helps you figure out which visuals you want. It helps you figure out when you, you know, occasionally hire a photographer, what kind of photo shoot you want. It helps you write copy. It helps you write content. It helps you frame your freebies. It helps you do everything. So like for me, my creative direction is like design so good it's criminal. So I'm like having fun with like criminal references and my photo shoot was like, film noir themed and everything is just like and to me that's like hilarious and fun and I know I'm going to be excited to tap back into that that I'm not going to get tired of for at least three or four more years before and I may never rebrand that also I recently did a transition from like service-based to template-based and even though I have a new company name technically because it just I was Sophie Heron Design and now I'm the template shop I used the same icon from my last logo in the new logo. I'm keeping all the same colors and I can still use all the same images and all the same graphics that I use for my new one. So even though technically I'm pivoting, which we all do a lot online, Mm -hmm. because I'm still so happy with my online brand, it can evolve with me and I don't have to rethink that. I don't have to go like do a whole rebrand again it's so many resources it takes and time and energy from you 
So yeah, I think overall, if you have a solid foundation, something that you're excited to tap back into, you're going to be like immune to all of these trend shifts and all of these things. Cause most people are just following trends. And that's another reason, which I'm getting on a ramble <laughs> here, but like, that's another reason why everybody's rebranding is because it's yeah. solid foundation. They're following design trends. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, minimal with like leaf drawings before minimal neutrals then it was terracotta blobs now it's the editorial black and white design with a with a serif font and like sexy photo shoot okay that's fine if that fits with your brand right so like if I if a trend comes around and it like kind of fits with like my noir theme or something like that, then maybe I can dabble in that for a little bit while the trend is hot just for fun. Mm -hmm. But also you want to be cautious about it because if you're following a trend, you're blending in with everybody else. Mm -hmm. I see so many, so many brands right now. They're all turning to this editorial style from the beige style. So like the beige neutral style to now this editorial, like black and white, like edgy, but it's not edgy. It's a trend. And they're like shoehorning their business into it. And it doesn't look natural. There's a couple that I've seen out there that are just like, this is not you, you know, like this is not natural for your brand. And it comes across when you're trying to shoehorn it into this new trend. I know it's tempting because everyone's doing it and it looks cool and stuff like that, but like, it's cooler to be different. Yeah. You're going to stand out like you're not going to stand out. It's going to be tired in literally six months and you're going to be tired of it. Maximum one year. Yeah. And especially in the online space, like I can think of quite a few people just off the top of my head who fall into those trendy mm-hmm. <laughs> themes or whatever. And I, I couldn't even tell you their name. Exactly. I don't even know their names. And for you, when I noticed your brand completely stands out, makes you different not even that but like it's so obvious like as soon as I see one of your posts on my feed I know exactly whose it is and I remember your name automatically too so just Mm -hmm. like when I first discovered you and it's just so refreshing and nice to see and just exciting and when you stick with a brand when you have that and you stick with a brand for three or four years that's going to be stronger it's going to compound yeah Exactly. Nowadays, I mean, how many people have I like, I followed their content two, three years ago and I was like, oh, they're really cool. And somehow or another lost touch with them and Mm -hmm. kind of stopped paying attention. Nowadays, would I even be able to recognize who they were if I tried to find them again? I can't remember their name. Everybody's name is, sounds the same. Yeah. Everybody looks kind of the same, like in their little profile pictures, like you know, and then you get onto their feed and it looks completely different and there's no frame of reference. Like, is this the person? I'm not sure if it's the person. Mm -hmm. Think about like the long game as well. And that, that's really traditionally what brand recognition was set up for. Like, Mm -hmm. is that long game people understand, oh, this is this brand. This is that brand by without having to think about it. It's like, imprinted in their brain so that's another reason why not rebranding all the time is a good idea so that is a great point yeah 100 so do you believe that these rebrands are worth it from a cost analysis perspective or 
what would your opinions be on that? Not if you're not if you're drifting with the wind with the trend winds. No, it's definitely definitely not. You're spending a lot more money in the long run, and it's not getting like we just mentioned. Like, it's not getting the effect that you want from it. Like, you're not getting brand recognition. So, if you're going to kind of flit in the wind on these things in the beginning, fine. But like, I wouldn't hire a designer then. Really minimize your costs, stick with Canva, like just experiment then until you're ready to really either A, hire a legitimate designer that's not just a trendy designer, a legitimate designer that's really gonna help you come up with a create, or uh, somebody who's a creative director who's gonna help you come up with the creative direction mm-hmm. and build from there something you're really excited about. Um, but you can also come up with that on your own. Like I, most people do where they're just like, oh, that would be funny. Like, so keep it in house, keep it really low cost if you are trying to figure it out. But the goal I would say is first come up with a creative direction to establish yourself. And then, and maybe you need to hire somebody to help you with that. But like then hire one kind of rebrand of something that you know you're going to stick with and that can grow with you and evolve with you even with a pivot. Yes. I like what you did. Yeah. It's a, it's a hard pivot and the brand seamlessly just like followed me. It really wasn't even, I literally spent three minutes making my logo and I was like, okay, well done. (laughs) Yeah. It was, that was it. And that's too, like that shows how strong of a creative direction you have in Mm -hmm. your brand, which is even more powerful. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. What do you think are the biggest mistakes that online business owners are making more specifically with their graphics and or their branding? Yeah. Biggest thing is following trends and not having a reason for why you're doing something. So um, yeah, I'm just kind of beating a dead horse here, but like (laughs) you have creative direction and a just general direction for your visuals you're going to like bypass everything really. And you're going to be able to really select the trends that make sense for your brand and maybe lean into them and completely ignore the rest and just know this is what I'm doing. Because this kind of is something that's like sort of an overarching theme that I see in online businesses and also with their graphics is, which this is all important. I'm not saying it's not important but like kind of the, like the feminine side of things, like the manifestation and the mindset and the, you know, does it feel good? Like, does it light you up? Does it not light you up? But there's also the masculine side, the discipline side, where it's like the people who are successful are the ones who are showing up even when it's boring, even when it's like, I've already done this eight, hundred times before, but I know I have to do it again. Like it's that sticking with something and not giving up even like in the parts where you're not feeling super inspired or super motivated. Yeah. So like the discipline part of it and the consistency with it, like that is really what creates brand recognition in the long run. So having something that you're excited to tap into, even on days that it's hard, even on days when like, you know, you just don't feel like it, having something that kind of makes you maybe smirk a little bit at yourself, like that was kind of clever, you know, or like (laughs) it gives you sort of 
because you know as a designer and as a creative in general a lot of times you find you're the most creative with like parameters like if everybody's just like yeah you know whatever you want it's like well that's the most paralyzing thing in the world if you have a brand that's really strong and established you can even under pressure even when you're bored even when you're just doing it to like be consistent if you have those parameters in space that are actually like friendly parameters that you set up that you like, aka your creative direction, you're going to be able to tap back into that even on those hard days. That's genius. So genius. It's not that you can't, similar to what you're saying, it's not the fact of the most successful people are the most motivated and the most encouraged and inspired every single day. It's those people that actually have those systems in place and the habits in place in order to do the hard things on the days that are the hardest. So Mm -hmm. same idea. And like, that's so cool that it's, it ties right into branding it in your graphics as well. So Yes, it definitely, definitely does. Because it's so easy to be, you know, the new shiny object, like, oh, this and like, well, that's fun. I want to do that. It's like, yeah, but that's not your brand. Like, you Uh -uh. can't say yes to everything. Like, you have to stay the path and it pays off when you stay the path. But Mm -hmm. you have to make sure that you're starting on a path that you actually want the end goal of, you know? So that's the other tricky thing. Very true. Yeah. And that's probably hard for a lot of new business owners as well to even Mm -hmm. grasp what the concept that they're going for when they're pivoting so many times in like their first year of business. 100%. What are some absolute no way, do not do this in the design world examples? I think that we agree on a couple. Comic Sans. (laughs) gold foil (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I always think comic sans is a funny one because um everybody thinks of comic sans as like the worst font ever and I'm like actually it's not a bad font and there is a place for it an elementary school bulletin board like elementary school generally speaking for kids you can get away with comic sans it's essentially a marker font and it's not a bad one it's just that it was overused when it first came out but it's been a while since then so you can tap back into it the font that is the bane of my existence which I'm actually going to do a post on this week because it's Halloween week and I'm going to do some sort of spin about how it's haunting me or something yes um, is papyrus Fuck, I hate that it, font too <laughs> everywhere and it's everywhere it is everywhere everyone's still using it I did a little thing to myself over the last 10 days I was like I'm just going to take a picture of everywhere I see papyrus and I don't know how many pictures I got but I think it's at least eight and everybody knows in like I shouldn't say everybody but it's generally well known that papyrus is a terrible font not as well known as comic sans but you never see comic sans anywhere you see papyrus on everything. (laughs) So I'm going to do a post about that, but, um, so never use papyrus. That would be number one. Number two. Yeah. Anything where it's like, I don't know the best way to like categorize it, but essentially if it's like a, like literal, a printing method, if it's a printing method, like cold foil, like embossing, like, um, glitter, if it's like something that's needs to, the only way it's really cool is if it's 3d then leave it for print. Don't put it on your logo. Don't put it on your website. If you want that effect on, on your website, you get something printed with that effect and take beautiful photography of it. Then you get your gold foil and it's, and it's classy, you know, but 
died out a little bit the gold foil and like the glitter <laughs> I saw a TikTok one time this lady and she's just like why aren't you getting any clients and it was like you're it's like one of those pointing ones you know and she's like your logo has glitter on it <laughs> I was just like bingo <laughs> so anything like that that's what drives me crazy photographs and logos your logo should always be able to boil down to black and white only like if your logo you can't read it and it doesn't make sense if it's not a stark black and white not like a black and white photo but like it boils down to a mark in black and white then you don't have a logo you've got a graphic for your business so that's the other thing and then just following trends which I've already talked about like I they just drive me crazy because I'm just like how do you guys not understand that like you're just you're following a trend means that nobody's going to notice you like which is the exact opposite of the point of design (laughs) so that's the other thing okay (laughs) amazing well I look forward to your post (laughs) I can't wait to see that one Uh, so I know that you are now transitioning to a new role so congratulations that's so exciting uh so what kind of changes are you making within your business right now yeah so I was doing client work um and honestly this past year I've had only amazing clients I'm super proud of everything I've done And before I was a UX UI designer and I could really like, I could kind of do that and like web design and stuff like that. It's very easy for me to just kind of do it because it's not super emotional, but the type of like, like emotional sounds like I'm crying over my work. I'm not, but like you have to kind of put more, at least I do. I have to put more of myself into the type of work that I'm doing now, which is more branding, but also just like overall experience to like courses and products and stuff like that. So I just found that like, I wasn't able, and I know I'm never going to be able to, to really um, have enough clients in a month at a price I'm comfortable charging because like, I'm also kind of like, won't get on a really big tangent, but a lot of things, especially in the online world are very inflated right now. Like, especially coaching. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just seems like they're just like, yeah, you just pull however much money. Literally they say this, however much money you want to charge, just charge that. And I'm just like, that's so, to me, that's immoral. So whatever, like why, you know, anyway. And not ethically. Yeah. I could probably write a podcast series just on my like what I'm seeing going on in the coaching world. Like obviously mm-hmm. there's a place for coaching, but I, and then the coaches are the ones, you know, guiding the rest of us. Right. So like they're giving everybody this advice and it's like, well, yeah. at the end of the day, do I think design is incredibly important? Yes. Do I think it's incredibly powerful? Yes. Do I think I'm very good at it? Yes. But I still don't want to charge $60,000 for, you know, my packages, even though a coach would do that. Like I want it to be affordable enough, but I'm also getting what I need. Yeah. And I was just finding it difficult to kind of find that balance and be able to do it enough where before I burn out, cause I really, I really kind of burn out faster than I thought doing this type of work, I guess is what it boils down to. So, yeah. And then I ended up getting engaged and, um, 
my fiance has a, an e-commerce military surplus business of all things, which is super funny because I spent my whole life saying how much I hate camo and people who like have camo on everything, you know, like I just hate that whole vibe. And I'm like, now basically I'm marrying a camo seller like <laughs> although it's not the kind of camo I don't like I just don't like the camo with the sticks on it I don't like that but like this stuff oh no kind of yeah. like chic it's like European camo so it's like a little bit more chic but <laughs> I might just be trying <laughs> to convince myself of something but anyway yeah. you've got a really like a more established business it's kind of right at the precipice of something like he could it's really time to level up okay. and I've been kind of working with him on more of a creative side like just giving him ideas and stuff but he really has been like doing everything and he's like I need help <laughs> I was like he's like I want you to join my business and I was like sweet that sounds great <laughs> like I was really excited about it and so I decided to kind of replace my client work time with time doing that mm -hmm. um, and therefore replacing my income with that and I think it's going to be easier for me to kind of um it's a type of work that I can keep going on yeah. um, versus like client work. I just find, even though it's really fulfilling and rewarding, it's also just really draining. So I just can't like keep up with it. So, and I'm really excited about these templates that I started making um, a couple of months ago. And I'm like, I really just want to like lean into this and get some passive income out of it. And I just have so much fun making them. And I, I feel like I'm kind of a little bit of like, I don't know, a trailblazer or something like that, where it's like, I feel like I'm seeing something other people aren't seeing. Yeah. It might take a while for it to, to catch on, but I'm okay with it because I really feel like I'm on to something with like product um, design and identity and also like having a stronger creative direction. I think that's going to be more and more important as we go on in the online world. And so I want to really create um, affordable entry points with these Canva templates. And these Canva templates are like, decked out yeah <laughs> are like yes they are you're not, you're not going to like find this type of thing on the canva you know store or you know most places so um I'm really excited to just kind of explore that and keep making things that are a little bit more affordable because this also gets onto that coaching thing too I just see like services are becoming so inflated that I feel like most people, it just doesn't even make sense for them to no. be buying it. Like, even if they're a mid-range, you know, a mid-range business owner, it doesn't make sense for them to pay mm -hmm. that kind of money for that. Especially when you have things that you can get a, a template bundle, like from my shop or whatever, and hire a VA for a reasonable price and maybe, or somebody who's an employee, that's just kind of a lower end employee that can put in the content, you know, and follow yeah my course that I have that comes with the template on how to space things and how to like make sure things are looking well so like how much more sense does that make for like a huge chunk of the designers and if you're making gazillions of dollars then yeah hire a designer to do everything for you but it probably also makes sense for you to hire an employee as a designer then so yeah. that's just how I'm seeing things going and I'm really excited about like being able to kind of help my man with his business and like I've got so many ideas and have for years for his business and then also be able to like the other half of the time really just dive in and create what I think is cool and then just go out there and sell it yeah oh I love that so I also love that we're talking a little bit about the fact of 
the online space just being super inflated right now. And I know personally a lot of different online service providers and different online business owners who have actually just transitioned into other roles similar to yourself. And I think this comes down to a lot of like financials in a sense, like it's a low point of entry, but then at the same time, it's like a high point of entry to actually hire someone to help you with your business and like level you up and all that sort of thing. So, (laughs) but I would love to know for yourself personally, if you have any tips for our listeners regarding your finances, maybe from a designer's perspective or just something that you wished you learned sooner. Yeah, um, I'm an Enneagram five, <laughs> five, W six. So I, um, my default is like, I just want to learn, 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 and never do. <laughs> so, <laughs> so okay. Functional, right? Like that's what I'm doing is when I'm scared, I just want to learn things. So the biggest thing for me is like, be strategic about what education you're buying. Um, and know that like, you don't actually need it. One time I was talking to a friend and I had just bought like, you know, whatever, some several thousand dollar course probably went back when I was in corporate, I was already doing this when I, you know, was just kind of trying to soothe my soul with education, right? So yes, (laughs) (laughs) he was just like, well, why don't you just like try it? And then if it doesn't work, then buy a course. I'm like, I literally would have never thought of that. Like, you buy the course and do what they say, or at least try to do what they say, and then kind of forget about it and then buy another course. So that's my thing. Instead of rebranding every, you know, like my Achilles heel is like buying a course to try to tell me how to do something. So my biggest advice to my, to new people is just like, you probably only need one or two courses. Like it's get the ones in like either the three figure range, like I find there's a lot of courses on really niche topics that you can get mm-hmm. for like the $37 or something like that, that are probably good enough. Mm-hmm. But you know, if you Facebook ads and you're just like wanting a very basic, like, I just want to run one Facebook ad and see how it goes. Okay. So spend $37 on that course, maybe. But the bigger things like right now I'm in a course that I'm actually really enjoying. I have it's the first course I've bought this year because I'm like really controlling myself. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> it's about um, literally like selling digital products. And I've been looking for this for many years because everybody, it's either like physical e-commerce or mm-hmm. like coaching or service providers. And I'm like, right. I'm trying to sell templates here. Like it's a digital product. And I feel like it's kind of a different ball game and certain things. So I found a course for it and it's, it's been really great. So that is like, because of that, like I was okay spending that money on that course, but I'm way, way more cautious about it. Also, if you're going to hire a coach, like try to hire them in a small capsule type of situation, like enough time to get something done, but like you don't need a consistent coach forever. Like for me, I sometimes work with a coach for a month or two at a time, like when I'm working through something in my business Mm -hmm. and I just need a little bit of like, you know, just, I just need a little bit of extra juice, but 
for the most part, like your first couple of years, like don't believe that you have to invest in your business before you can, people are going to invest in you. It's complete BS. Yeah. It's complete 100%. BS. And I think it's like immoral, <laughs> unethical. Yes. All of those words. It's a horrible thing to say. It's what they do in MLMs. Like, yeah, I was going to say that. <laughs> so like, don't fall for it. You don't need a coach. If you're going to do something like maybe just like be reasonable about it. There are, there are entry-level things and don't fall for it. Like, and then the other piece of business or piece of advice is like, really, like you probably don't need any paid education if you don't want it. The biggest thing is, like I said earlier, it's like, are you excited enough about this business? It takes true grit. It is hard work and it, you will have bad days and you will have good days. And like, are you willing to show up on those bad days and do something even when you're not lit up about it, even when it's boring, even when it's hard? I almost think that the medium days are the hardest days. The ones where it's just like, yeah, I mean, I guess, (laughs) you know, know, like a, a rock bottom, but you're just like trying to just keep going. So just know that like you will have hard days. You're going to have a lot of medium days that are sometimes even harder than hard days. And you're going to have a lot of great days and being able to ride that wave. But yeah, that's great advice. So great. Love it. So we're nearing the end of our episode and I know all about your contraband templates and you talk a little bit about them, but I would love for you to tell the listeners exactly how they can access them, what they're all about, and all the details. Yeah, so um, I have, if you go to my Instagram, my business name is now The Template Shop, but it's spelled shop because it's a secret. So it's, and it's the old style of spelling. So it's The Template, S-H-H-H-O-P-P-E. So kind of hard to say on a podcast, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you follow me on Instagram, like the link in my bio, it'll lead you and I will be doing freebies somewhat regularly, like seasonally. And then um, my link to my shop, which just went live yesterday, which I kind of was like surprised myself with how productive I was this weekend. So I got that live yesterday. And what I do with my contra brand bundles is it's like every graphic you could ever need for your brand or product launch and all of the things that you forgot you needed, basically like the Google doc header, you know, like the thumbnail graphic like everything is in there that you would need and that all is under one creative direction so right now I've got retro roller disco and the alchemist bundles and then so I've got like the mega bundle or the complete collection that includes literally everything and then I also have some divvied up where if like you just wanted a presentation or just wanted social media graphics um you're set up so that's where I would send people and then each one um it's in progress by the end of this week I will have the new (laughs) course set up but like I always include with all my products education of just like how to best use it how to use design tips and tricks because either you're an entry level and maybe not a designer and you just want a little bit of guidance or you can hand it off to a VA and know that like your slides are probably gonna end up looking better if they follow a little bit of designer pro tips so yeah and one of your tips that you already mentioned like knowing those (laughs) design elements for sure that's incredible so everyone will need to head on over to that 
I will leave all the links in the show notes so it'll be easy to access. But thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is super fun. You know all the things that I rant about. So this thank you so much for tuning in to the Waitressing to Wealth podcast. To support the show and show your gratitude, we would be so happy if you shared it with your friends and tagged us on Instagram at Jolene Stone. Subscribe so you never miss a valuable episode. 